So, it's, it's interesting because we're talking about a social phenomenon. Uh, you know, here at Seoul, we either pick a book of the Bible, we're still sort of working our way through Matthew, we come in and out, we do other thematic things that have been important in our vision. And I have to be honest that uh, in light of what has taken place in our nation, I've actually been quite surprised about how quiet the Christian community has been. And usually, either as Canadians, we're totally apathetic and we go, well, whatever, or we're afraid to speak out. Now, again, it's legal. Cannabis is legal. So, exactly. Uh, but before I get started today, um, what I've done is I've actually broken up my life lesson into three components. And the first component is what I call my, uh, my presentation, the the, the uh, the observation of what, what, what's out there, the, the information, the research. The second part is going to be my personal observation. And the third part is going to be the Christian application. Now, I need to make a confession up front. Um, I have never smoked weed. I have never been drunk with alcohol. In fact, I've never used any illicit drug of any sort with the exception of morphine when I had meningitis. And that was a rush. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> Um, I mention this because I'm quite sure that some will object what, with what I have to say today by insisting that I have no right to speak about an experience in which I haven't personally indulged, to which I think that's ridiculous. And the reason I say that, it's like telling an oncologist that they can't treat you and do their job because they had never have had cancer themselves. So whether or not I've ever been high is actually irrelevant to the question of whether or not Christians should or could use cannabis for recreational purposes. Now that being said, let's be blunt. Um, I need to outline some parameters of the context today. The topic is on Christians and cannabis. And so in essence, what I am presenting is a Christian perspective on God's herb. You with me? So if you're not a believer here this morning, and I trust that there always is every Sunday, right off the bat, you and I are coming at this from two very different perspectives, to which I want to say this to you. I'm not going to change your mind on anything, but I hope that at the end of this morning that you will walk away with something that will either challenge your worldview regarding cannabis and the information that you've been given, or that you would even consider giving your life over to Jesus, because he is the one who says in John chapter 10, 10, that the thief comes to kill and destroy, and I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. So here we are. Here we are, the, only the second country in the world to fully legalize cannabis. The other is Uruguay, if you did not know that. And what all this means to fully legalize, it means is that we um, are able to consume recreationally, we're able to take it medicinally, and it's also legal to cultivate. So there's three components in this full legalization thing. All other countries, with the exception of Uruguay, um, uh, it's interesting, have, one, uh, have issues of in one or more of those three components, so it's not fully legalized. And I'm not an, an expert or remotely at all when it comes to cannabis, but my, in my humble opinion, I don't have to have, I actually don't even have an issue with medical marijuana. Uh, it seems reasonable to me, and not at all unbiblical, that if cannabis can be used in a form, uh, uh, and under the oversight of a physician to help those people who are in extreme pain or uh, whatever other medical remedies may not be working and it, or have been proven ineffective, then I have, by all means, it should be allowed under a physician's guidance. And I know in my research that there are even arguments against the medical use of marijuana, but I'm not going to interact with that today in my, in my message. So it's for the legalization of cannabis other than for medical Purposes. Are you tracking with me on this? Because I, I'm dumbfounded by times what people he, hear or don't hear when I preach. So that's the focus of our life lesson. Let's put in the smoking weed just to get high because I can. All right? This is what we're talking about. This, 
has even led to countless discussions and actually debates amongst Christians as to whether the recreational use of marijuana is a sin. Does it fall into the sin category? So again, I need to be clear, we're talking about the recreational use of marijuana, and uh, I'll be flipping back and forth between using terms and marijuana and pot and whatever. Just, we, just work with me. Um, where the primary use for us is to get higher stoned. Now, the other question I should ask is, you know, should hit pastors spark a bolt so that we can be incarnational with the folk around us? I don't know, right? Um, sorry, I had to say that. I think as the church, when we come towards, more importantly, are we ready to actually intelligently discuss recreational pot use with our youth, with our young adults, uh, with our parents, with our singles, with our seniors? Every aspect of the church is actually affected in this. And even more importantly, can we talk about it without any oversimplification? You know, there's a few common oversimplifications that, that I want to throw up on the screen, followed by the objections that you'll probably encounter if you use them. So the so oversimplification number one says, you know, pot's bad for you and our bodies are the temples that we need to take care of. Now, I'm going to address that later on, but it's, st it's still an oversimplification. So is alcohol, so is tobacco, so is coffee, so is sugar, so is overeating, right? What in this world is not bad for us anymore? Bust, uh, bust, sorry, bus exhaust. Uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, just get it out of our system now, all right? Bus exhaust causes cancer, and according to California, so does everything else, if you follow up on that. My, our missionary friends in Africa constantly uh, fall seriously ill due to contaminated water, bacteria, and other chemicals that are going on all around them. Should they abandon their post because that is happening? There's super smog in China that actually kills thousands of people daily. Is it immoral then to choose to go and live in a Chinese city? Should I avoid tap water to stay free from chlorine and fluoride? There's stuff constantly coming into our systems. Oversimplification number two. Pot's never mentioned in the Bible, but wine is. T-shirts and coffee aren't mentioned in the Bible either, so are you going to throw away your shirts and your coffee cups? Oversimplification number three. Pot's legal now, which means it's okay for Christians to use. Here's our current cultural Christian ethic, uh, uh, Canadian ethic, sorry. I'm free to do as I please, as long as it doesn't injure anybody else, so let me have what I want. Welcome to Canada. And so, because something is okay to use, is that the Christian's measure of goodness? If that was our reason, if, if that was actually our base for reasoning, then listen very carefully. If that's our base, because it's okay, because it's legal, and if that's our base for all decisions and reasoning, then then I can actually be an alcoholic, adulterous, deceitful, prescription-abusing, manipulative, hate-filled connoisseur of grotesque pornography and still be okay in our society. All right? Legally and socially, believe it or not. So does the government stamp of approval mean I should partake or even partake with moral uprightness is a question we should be asking. What about smoking you know, what about smoking pot is, is truly profitable for, for me, for you, for, more importantly, for our neighbors? Better yet, what would Jesus smoke, I think, would be the question we should be asking. Oversimplification number four. Pot has medicinal qualities. It should be seen as helpful and not destructive. Now, don't many substances have medicinal qualities? And, and I think the other thing is, what do you even mean by medicinal? Because Tylenol is incredibly helpful until the acetaminophen begins to eat away at our liver, when you think about it. And I can go on and on and on, I'm not. But blanket declarations, blanket or position papers will not address the complexities of every individual human life. Oversimplification on this issue will neglect the truth. And I think as Christians, specifically as believers here at Soul Sanctuary, we want to be people of truth, don't we? Thank you, all three of us. 
So as believers, we get our guidance from the text. We get our guidance from scripture. So in matters of questions, you know, I think that that's where we need to go first with our questions regarding, you know, how do we live our lives, specifically as believers. So does the Bible address the use of marijuana? And now it's kind of funny because uh, uh, depending on who you talk to, the answer is yes. And the proponents of marijuana use, casual, recreational, whatever you want to call it, will actually quote, believe it or not, Genesis 129. And then we'll say, well, this is, this is where the Bible endorses the use of God's herb. And I've heard this conversation personally. Just, I loved it. I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has its fruit with seed in it. They are to be yours for food. Now, it's interesting because context is key when we're determining what scripture is going on. I'm not going to be going in any detailed exegesis this morning, but God gives Adam and Eve seed-yielding plants and trees for what? For food. Herbs are for eating, right? You know, I, we have garlic little uh, chives and you cut them up and you got all the basil and you got all this other stuff. And, and it's for eating, which raises the question of what about pot brownies and gummy bears? And the list goes on. What about those things? And let's be honest. Nobody adds marijuana to brownies to increase the flavor, Right? The reason that we add this particular plant to foodstuffs, it's because of the effects on our senses, not on our taste. Add to that, I actually don't know of any food that we consume by smoking. Okay? So, Jerry, what about alcohol? Oh, beautiful. I heard this one last, yesterday morning in the dressing room, playing hockey. Yeah, I get in the dressing room, I hear some guy doesn't even come to school. Tell all the other guys I'm playing hockey with, and maybe you're here today, I don't, I don't know, but... Hey, you need to go to Michalski's church. He's speaking on bot. I'm going, well, beautiful advertising. I couldn't believe it. <sighs> you know, but hey, pot and alcohol are the same thing. Really? Okay. To say that alcohol is permissible and that cannabis is not because Christians drink beer and wine for the taste, but people only smoke pot to get stoned just won't do, right? Because that now becomes another oversimplification. And that also begins to distort the truth. So... If we as believers are to analyze the Bible, it'd be easy for us to come to the conclusion that even moderate drinking, now hear me out because some of you will have different views on this, but from a biblical perspective, moderate drinking is permissible in scripture. I've preached on this before. I don't need to to kick the dead donkey. But however, drunkenness and intoxication is clearly prohibited. For example, Ephesians 5.18 says, "Don't don't get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Romans says, let us behave decently as in daytime, not carousing in drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Galatians says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, finally, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. He goes on, 1 Peter 4, you have spent enough time in the past doing what the pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, detestable idolatry. Psalm 104, interesting, says this, he makes grass to grow for the cattle, I love this, and plants for the people to cultivate, bring forth the food from the earth, wine that gladdens human hearts, oils to make their faces shine, and bread that sustains their hearts. Got me thinking that I've actually heard people say that beer and wine are food because they actually have calories and some sort of nutritional value, which gives a whole meaning to the word barley sandwiches, if you know what I'm saying. That's beer, just throwing it out there. For... Now, how come you know so much slang? Google? I don't know. Um, some churches, some Christians, have prohibited the use of alcohol. We don't drink. The Bible says don't drink. Well, they've prohibited the use of alcohol because it actually, the Bible forbids drunkenness. Um, and that's, but they say, no, drinking is a sin. And I have to say that that's a mistake because the Bible warns us against extra biblical prohibitions. First Timothy uh, and Colossians, you know, this is where Christians uh, will say, well, you know, we have to make our own rules to, to fit our worldview. So, I understand that some Christians choose abstinence because it's actually a safer alternative for them as opposed to 
there are some Christians who will choose abstinence because they think that drinking in itself is a sin, and that's a misrepresentation of Scripture. That's actually in addition to Scripture, which is unbiblical. Oops, did I say that? Now, I'm not saying everybody will go, go out and get wasted because we already have some definitive line crossing that we have to be careful with. So pr- Scripture permits the moderate use of alcohol, and then... So the question is, if that's true, does God then also permit the recreational use of cannabis? Is it okay to light up around the campfire with everybody at youth camp, or or actually, no, sorry, at adult camp, and uh, the same way that we enjoy wine at a wedding, right? Well, obviously not in Manitoba, because you get fined or whatever, you go on from there. But the following ways... I had to go through this and say, okay, so what, how is alcohol and cannabis similar or dissimilar? Well, here's how they're similar. Cannabis, like alcohol, is, is orga- an organic substance, right? Uh, cannabis, like alcohol, has the potential to intoxicate and distort reality. Cannabis, like alcohol, has different effects on someone who uses it regularly than someone who uses it Occasionally, in other words, what I'm trying to say is that tolerances could be built up with regular marijuana use, similar to the way that tolerance can be built up with regular alcohol use. Cannabis, like alcohol, can be habit-forming. Now, unlike alcohol, you can't black out or die from an overdose of cannabis, right? Unlike alcohol, there are many different strains of cannabis. The same amount of cannabis smoked or ingested from two different cannabis plants can have different effects on the individual. Unlike alcohol, marijuana has different effects on the individual due to its complex chemical makeup. There are at least 113 different chemical compounds. Those cannabinoids, I love that you guys know it even better than me, cannabinoids inside the cannabis plant that, that... combined to a variety of effects on an individual when we smoke it or when we ingest it. Unlike alcohol, regular cannabis use is strongly correlated with mental health disorders such as schizophrenic, schizoaffected disorder. And while heavy drinking and alcohol abuse has also been linked to mental health disorders, moderate drinking has not. Interesting. So if you're going, where are you getting your stats? I'm not going to be quoting all my stats, throwing them up like this, but I can and probably will go back if you need. If somebody really wants to find us all, I can share that with you. Perhaps most importantly, unlike alcohol, cannabis is not directly addressed in the Bible. It's not. The question we need to ask and answer is, is do we find uh, in the Bible something that is comparable to the recreational use of marijuana? The answer is yes. It's called intoxication. So the scripture is filled with references of intoxication by drinking alcohol. But what constitutes intoxication, which is interesting? If if the Bible permits the use of alcohol in moderation, might it not also then permit the use of marijuana in moderation? Good question to ask. And we know that a person can consume small quantities of alcohol without any intention of being drunk. So similarly, can a person consume quantities of marijuana without any intention of becoming intoxicated or stoned? And so we have to come to this answer, which even our own nation is having a hard time, is how do we determine what intoxication is from a government standpoint? Now, in regards to alcohol, the level of intoxication occurs depending on time and quantity. Now, you got to track this with me in your mind. The, the amount that you ingest co- totally correlates directly with the amount of time between drinks. All right? So if I have a number of drinks in a short amount of time, I'm going to get wasted. If I take those same number of drinks and I can draw it out, it will ta- take me a whole lot longer to get that, to that point of intoxication. But in case of marijuana, I am told by physicians that it only takes one to four puffs to in- one to four puffs. One physician actually said to me, you are intoxicated the moment the, the, uh, the, the drug hits your lungs. That's from a doctor. That's not me speaking. So the effect is immediate when it comes for us to smoking pot. If your intent for consuming cannabis in any form uh, isn't for the intoxicating effect, then, then why would we bother? 
What benefits are we seeking from it? And the next question is, if your intent in the recreational use of marijuana is indeed some level of intoxication, I want to get high, then I have to ask this, then as a Christian, is your action something that we, all Christians should model? I don't think that we can walk away from today without wrestling with really deep questions. You know, hey Jerry, well what about caffeine? You know, yeah, we drink coffee, we drink Coca-Cola, and we have energy, you know, Red Bull gives you wings, Whoa, right? You know, it actually has an actual physical effect. Although I've drunk Red Bull before hockey, I felt nothing. I don't know what that was all about, but you know, there's true. There's, for some, there's this very significant difference. However, marijuana temporarily impairs the reliable processing of a surrounding reality. Nice quote there. Caffeine ordinarily sharpens that processing. Most coffee drinkers, we, take, we do coffee. I do hot water all the time, but most coffee drinkers do coffee. Why? To stay awake, to wake up, to do our jobs more reliably, to drive, in some cases, more safely. Is it possible to abuse caffeine? Yes. But as a natural stimulant, it's most commonly used for stimulation to wake up, not as an escape or a retreat from reality. And I'm, you know, so unlike caffeine, there is a reason that marijuana has long been associated with a couch, a bag of Doritos, and a television remote, right? So marijuana is not generally thought of as an empowering drug that enables you to be more engaged Parenting, more, a more alert dad or a more aware mother or, uh, or in the workplace with a more competent employee. As a matter of fact, we see our laws are going, no, 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 no. And if you look at the restrictions placed on our military and our, and our police officers, it's 28, I think 24 hours uh, minimum for the RCMP. Like the, the, I can't remember the text I got, but it's a long time before you can hit and actually go back to work. So it's in our system. So the fact of the matter is, the issue of marijuana is really, for most users, it's a recreational escape. That's, that's really what it's all about. It's a recreational escape which produces diminished accuracy of observation, of memory, of reasoning. And studies have shown a high correlation between regular cannabis use and the clinical diagnosis of a motivational syndrome. And again, this comes out of psychology today. If you want that, I can give it to you. It's not a big deal. My personal observation. What if I was to propose to you that some of what you thought or what you knew about this legalized marijuana thing could be wrong? See, the legalization of cannabis is just a sacred cow. It's too much of a sacred cow for us to even question now. Why? Because if the church begins to speak up against it, which, we are, which I'm addressing it today, then the church is considered to be archaic, right? Jerry, you're out of touch. You're killjoys. The church, you're kind of some sort of phobic. Another phobic added to the list to the church. And you know what? I, honestly, I'm really tired of all the labeling. This is me personally speaking here. You know, talking about issues regarding legal weed is a quick way to get uninvited from the cool kids' table. Now, with all that off my chest, the cannabis being sold today is not natural, and the lobbyists are using social justice as a smokescreen so that somebody's going to get rich. It's all about business. The industry is working to convince us that uh, we can consume something, now carefully, work with me, it's, we can consume something that is natural, and while we're doing that, we're going to fix the social ills of our, of our society. It's medicinal. That's what society tells us. And we think we're buying that line, and even in Colorado they bought that line, and Colorado's a perfect example of what can go wrong, and I can get, I'll get in that in just a few moments. Cannabis and hemp are natural products, without question, I have no problem with that. There are two chemicals that stand out in wheat that we need to be aware of, if you're not already. One is called CBD, the other one most of us are aware of is called THC. Uh, the CBD component is very important because in most cases, it actually goes very much unnoticed. Most people don't, when they buy their pot, don't really care about the CBD. Most people, I say, because that's basically the CBD is that tiny portion of the commercial market that we use for the medical element in, in, in cannabis. 
When we take a look at what's going on, and if you're watching the news and you're reading the papers, we see that the real money is in the THC of pot. That's where the money is. The natural part of the plant that, that gets you high. In the 1960s, cannabis contained less than a half a percent of THC. You had to smoke a lot of pot to get high in the 60s. But over the last 40 years, as we became better gardeners and the percentage of the TSC began to rise, recently chemists now start getting involved in this whole process, which really is actually mind-boggling when we think of this. I came across this that, you know, we, we've taken cannabis from growing something that, that grows naturally outdoors to now growing it indoors in a commercial way. Uh, Aurora Cannabis in Medicine Hat has set to produce, now this is a little cannabis joint, has set to produce 200,000 kilos of marijuana per year. That's their goal. 200,000 kilos of pot out of Medicine Hat alone per year. Medicine Hat! Medicine Hat. Now, most businesses have made these growth cycles of the plant extremely and unnaturally short, have they not? And they've used pesticides and fertilizers in ways that really we should all be concerned with. Some employees of some greenhouses all over have been encouraged to wear hazmat suits while they spray their chemical cocktails on plants. Plants that people are going to smoke. So the product sold today now is no longer the less than this half a percent back in the 60s. You're going to find a product as much as 30%, if not higher, of THC and in, a, in a plant. And the concentrates alone can be as high as 95%. So THC, you know, uh, this, this height of THC is a far cry from a natural plant. It's not a natural plant. To say that we have legalized weed... I will stand here and say this is misleading. In my opinion, what we have done as a culture is commercialize THC. That's what we're doing. The weed that we have today isn't what we would presume natural. It's, it's THC in a pure form. It's extremely high. It's unnatural concentrations. And if you go online... Now, I actually wanted to go to Delta 6 or whatever, Delta 9, whatever Delta it is. I have no clue or tweet or whatever. I actually wanted to go in and ask questions in my research, but I wasn't going to stand in line for an hour or two hours. And then I thought, what if the TV cameras see me there? That was the other thought. I thought oh, Machowski's getting pot. This is, could be cool. All right, you know. The liquor store, not a problem. I can biblically make that one happen. The pot store, I'm not too sure about. So I, 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 you know, I, I started to go online. I started to you know, go, how can I buy weed? And I'm thinking, hmm. You know, if somebody opens up my computer, what are they going to start thinking about what I'm doing here? But it doesn't matter. I did my research online. It was interesting. You can check out the potency, especially of the Delta guys, and you'll see that their THC levels ranges of at least 22% or more. But that healing component, the, the CBD, is almost always 1% or less. Interesting. There's a lot of money to be made in, in satisfying our culture's increasing desire to get high. There's this 80-20 rule in the alcohol industry that, that the pot industry is supposedly trying to follow. 80% of the product is consumed by 20% of the heavy users. Studies show that the poorer you are, the more likely you are to spend your money on their products. So this dispensaries are selling THC, and there's so many other products that you have to have with your weed. And I saw this on CTV morning news. They're in the store, and she's interviewing the guy, and he's showing all the products, and he's, and you need a pyro pad, and you need this, and you need this. And so we see now, we're not just buying pot, we're buying a culture. We're buying into an industry. It really is. Is that good or bad because we buy into other industries? I don't know, but I think it's our hope for something pure, something natural that makes it very hard for us to see what's really going on. We think it's pure. We think it's natural. But the fact is, the rich are going to continue to get richer on the backs of the poor, lying to our faces all at the same time. We're allowing industry to take advantage of us and the weakest in our society and taking advantage of the weakest in our society, and they're going to make a profit. We're going to see that. Oh, they're going to be taxed. Yeah, sure, you're going to be taxed. It doesn't make it right. You know, we saw this with, alcohol, uh, with tobacco. 
You know how, the, how we have called out, the, the medical community has called out against tobacco and, and now, you know, you, you can't even see tobacco and if you do see a thing and you've got these, you know, horrible, disfiguring cancer sores and other stuff, well, the society has re- responded against that. In Canada, it's been really, that really hard backlash. But it, what I find fascinating is that we've also done the same thing to the food industry. All right? You know, we called out, Monsanto, you can't do GMOs. You know, we can't do this. We can't, we can't mix with nature. But we can sure smoke a whole lot of pot. And so the conflict, I, it just mind boggles me. And so, you know, here we are. Uh, the, you know, when it comes to the recreational use of pot, even in the latest Canadian research, Health Canada, Stats in Health Canada, and this, this is my pushback from people who are pot supporters all the time, but the stats in Health Canada have shown that it is addictive. Thankfully, they put it on the news and they said this, one in three who use cannabis will develop a problem with their use. One in 11 will develop an addiction. One in six, if you start using as a teen, will develop an addiction according to Health Canada reports. So they say THC is addictive. The unnaturally high levels of THC also compound our mental health issues. Do you follow social media? Do you see all the the stuff that we have, all the attention we draw to mental health issues? Now granted, research is still needed when it comes to, to pot. And yet the fact is, people are diagnosed with cannabis use disorders that affect them, their life at work, at school, and at home. I have to say this, grass isn't greener on the other side, is it? We're just being sold a bag of goods. Now again, I, uh, this is my personal point coming across. You don't have to agree with me at all. I don't really care. I actually have a platform that I can say this. Thank goodness. And it's going right across the world. This is what it is. A recent report from Colorado released that they, now they've been legal for four years, right? They just re- recently released a report that they have seen five times a spike in psychiatric cases coming to emergency with psychotic episodes. The medical community has determined that much of this anxiety and depression has been triggered by cannabis. This is coming out of Colorado. They have also reported a doubling of cases of severe vomiting as a direct result of heavy users. They have noted that the rise of children in the emergency who have accidentally consumed cookies and brownie infused with cannabis. Many of these children came in with difficulties breathing. Some of these kids were comatose and in a few cases they had to be placed on ventilators. Adults also end up in the ER because of edibles. This is great simply because they're unaware of the potency of their product when they're mixing it with their food. They don't realize how long it takes high. How It's not an immediate high when you ingest it, as opposed when you smoke it. So I eat a brownie, I'm not getting it. I eat another brownie, I'm not getting it. I'm going to eat another brownie. And so they eat all this food, and then it hits. And that's what happens. Yeah, that makes me laugh too. Um, so in short, what we found is that the, in the four years of uh, legalization in Colorado, ER visits continue to rise. And for me, and I predict this, and I'm not the only one who does, but Canada will see the same overwhelming burden on our already stretched thin medical system. So frankly, I think our entire Western culture is addicted to self-medication. Whether it's food, whether it's alcohol, whether it's pot, whether it's other drugs, whether it's sex, whether it's prescriptions. Furthermore, as a pastor, what I've noticed is that people tend to stop maturing when we start self-medicating. Everybody has tough seasons in life. Even as Christians, sometimes life sucks, does it not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, amen! Preach it, pastor, life sucks! Follow Jesus! <laughs> Everybody has tough seasons of life, but by preserving them, by persevering through them, We have an opportunity to mature and to grow as people. Those who self-medicate, whether we use drugs or alcohol, as well as other things, often thwart their maturity as they escape through the tough seasons of life rather than face them. And this explains to me in my personal experience of why some people can be biologically much older than they are emotionally or even spiritually. After 20 years of doing ministry with teens, I want to read you a story that I am personally not unfamiliar with, that I have seen firsthand as a youth pastor. 
But I thought, it can't be just my story. I, so what I did in this preparation, I went to the leaders in our community, uh, doctors um, and, and police officers primarily, and I said, what, what should I say, what shouldn't I say? <laughs> you know, what, what is, in essence, what is truth, what is not truth, what is your experience? And I want to read you an ex- experience from a cop. Excuse me. Dear Jerry, approximately three years ago, in my job as a police officer, I attended a residence regarding a 20-year-old male who was in a psychotic state. When we arrived, my partner and I spoke to the 20-year-old male's family who informed us that their son, who we refer to as Dan, had been a model child until he was 16 years old. At that age, he began to consume marijuana, and one day he began hallucinating and appeared to be in psychosis. His parents took him to doctors who informed the family that their son is now suffering from schizophrenia as a direct result of his marijuana use. His mother informed us that she needed to quit her job as Dan was completely out of control and unable to care for himself. She and her husband installed locks on their bedroom doors and slept in constant terror. She related that Dan would come home violent and the family worried that his violence would one day carry over into the sleeping hours. His mother wept as she informed my partner and I, that her son was still having serious issues even after being treated by a psychiatrist over the past four years. Unfortunately, Dan was consistently consuming marijuana, which according to his doctors, was hampering his schizophrenia medication. My partner and I then turned our attention to Dan, who appeared to be lucid and initially carried on a good conversation. We directed Dan to our cruiser car where we began to have more dialogue. After approximately two minutes, Dan began to look out the cruiser car window and began making bird sounds. He stated that he was the bird man who controlled all the birds on Earth and was responsible for carrying all the water from Venus to Earth by the way of the birds. I'm not making this up. After realizing that Dan appeared to be in a psychosis, we transferred him to one of Winnipeg's major hospitals. After being triaged, Dan spoke with the hospital psychiatric nurse. When the nurse asked Dan, do you smoke marijuana, Dan replied yes. As I've consistently heard this question asked to those suffering from mental health issues, I inquired. So now he's asking the nurse, why do you always ask that question? The psych nurse responded, because it's almost always, because it's almost always a one-for-one response. Marijuana is heavily linked to schizophrenia. Unfortunately, Dan became more and more agitated throughout the evening, and I continued and continued with his outlandish comments for several more hours while waiting for treatment. I, like many of my law enforcement colleagues, consider marijuana to be a gateway drug. Oh, now I just hit, I hit some stuff. I love what he says here. I'm not saying that everybody who consumes marijuana will head to harder drugs. But I've never met an individual who has consumed crystal meth, heroin, or cocaine before ever trying marijuana. Every uh, drug addict I've ever met began with their path to drug addiction after consuming marijuana. I have found many crystal meth or cocaine users also used to consume marijuana in addition to the above-mentioned drugs. In summary, Pastor Jerry, it is devastating to me that we have sent the message to our youth that marijuana is safe through the processing of legalizing it. And unfortunately, this letter won't truly capture the lives left in the wake of its destruction. It doesn't truly indicate how sickening it is to observe a perfectly healthy-looking young person reeking a body over, talking gibberish, failing their grades at school, and parents completely crushed by their child's choices. That is something the average person doesn't want to see and pretends doesn't exist, but unfortunately, it's the law enforcement officer's reality. Now that's sobering. Nothing's more sobering than even for me being called to go to the psych ward to visit a student who sits there with a pen pad and a notepad drawing circles and talking about God and making no sense whatsoever. Why? In two specific cases, because they were fooling around with pot, not realizing that there is a danger, that there, there, this is something that we need to be aware of. So, the question. Did your presentation, you heard my opinion? Now the question. Or better yet, <clears throat> it's actually a series of questions. This is what a physician wrote me. They said, Jerry, I think it's important to talk about why people use cannabis and ask whether anything changes now that it's legal. I see this as a symptom of our society's worship of self and autonomy, similar to the introduction of medical aid and dying. Our society thinks that we should have access to what we want, 
should we decide we want it or think it is best for us. There's also an attitude of escapism and an inability and unwillingness to deal with difficult things. It's easier to get stoned than to deal with our own shortcomings and relationship issues, which I thought was, wow. So before I ask the question or questions, I think we actually need to go back into Scripture. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. And you say food for the stomach and stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. That section, again, context is key. It's talking about sexuality. Uh, but we do have God-revealed principles that we use to guide and direct our thinking in all things as Christians. If we're people of the book, there are principles that we have to do to live it out. So what's the end game in the Christian life? That's one of the questions we have to ask. What should we be aiming at when it comes to all things in life? And there are principles that the Bible addresses that those, those principles are transferable. Our bodies are designed by creation. They're redeemed by the blood of Christ so that they might be intru- instruments for his use and his purpose and ultimately his glory. He's got a plan for us. He wants us to do it. And therefore, we have to strive not to dull or diminish or weaken our God-given physical and mental uh, uh, capabilities. Uh, capacities to glorify and to serve God. We have to strive to, to see clearly, to think clearly, to decide clearly, to speak clearly, to remember clearly. And our minds are designed by God to know him, to love him, and to grow in our infections for him. And we should avoid anything that undermines uh, our mind in this regard. You know, what sort of witness for Jesus do we give when we join in with the world in the recreational use of a drug whose purpose, the drug's sole purpose, is to introduce us into a state of passivity and stupor and, and diminish accuracy and mental observation and memory and basic reasoning powers? That's why we get stoned. Paul goes on to write, he says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And contrary to what non-Christians think about themselves, you, Christian man, Christian woman, do not have ultimate authority over your body to do with it with what you please, according to Scripture. Your body belongs to Christ. Your body is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Your body is to be used to honor and glorify God. And so what that's saying here is that as Christians, we need to consider anything that we take into our bodies. Now let me stop right there and say I am now one of the biggest hypocrites uh, regarding this right here. Because I love sugar. I love food. Food loves me. We have a love-hate relationship. I love it late at night and it hates me in the morning. That's basically how it is. I'm a fat guy in a little suit. I struggle with my weight. And skinny jeans. (laughs) The question of struggle is real in my life. I, I just need to put it out there. But it doesn't diminish the fact that this is something that I am personally mindful of every day, every moment. So if you should choose to drink to excess or smoke marijuana for a high, I think that we need to ask as a believer... Because there are believers here, not that I know that you do, but let me just throw it out there. There are believers that I know of who have no problem getting pissed. Uh, Drunk, sorry. (laughs) Pissed, I said it, there we go. No problem, and yet scripture is very clear not to. So as a believer, does this decision make Jesus look good? When we start, and and this question applies actually to us on so many levels. Paul then, he repeats himself later in in the letter, but he uses the same words in a totally different context, interesting enough. 1 Corinthians 10, he says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek their own good, but for the good of others. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the Earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't cause anybody to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. You know, sometimes I think we're asking the wrong question. You know, what's wrong with it? Why shouldn't I? How far can I go still not sin? 
I think maybe people should ask, as a believer, and here I want to give you some guidelines. If you have a pen and paper, pull out your phone, write these questions down. When it comes to almost anything, and then specifically regarding pot, because of the topic, do I recognize that having the right to do something does not mean that it's the right thing to do? Do I recognize that having the right to do something does not mean that it's the right thing to do? Another question I think we have to ask ourselves when we come to stuff like this, is it both helpful and edifying? And again, my context is not medicinal. So is it helpful? Is it edifying? You know, with whom and around whom would I be smoking marijuana with? Will it Will participation hurt the conscience of another person? Again, another scriptural principle that we as believers need to take seriously. Can I smoke marijuana in a posture of gratitude to the glory of God? That one always makes me laugh, you know. In other words, how is God actually glorified by this activity? Okay. Another question. Will my participating cause unnecessary offense to others? Will it hinder my opportunities to engage in the the mission for the kingdom? You know, how does it affect others? How does it affect my neighbor? Does it promote the cause of Christ? Will this activity lead me to treasure Jesus above all else? Will it help me to fight the fight of faith with a greater success? Will it sharpen and intensify my knowledge of Jesus and my commitment to glorify him in all things? These are questions, I think, that we have to ask that we don't want to ask as believers. And as believers, the only external power which we need to yield conscious control under, um, or who we should be influenced under, is the Holy Spirit, according to Scripture. Paul writes in Ephesians, he says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another with hymns, psalms, songs, the Spirit. Sing, make music from your... You see the community effect, the uplifting effect, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a whole lot of bad stuff out there in our world. And as believers, Jesus goes out, he calls us to be salt and light. We, we are to be the salt of the, of the earth. We are to be the light of the world. But, but uh, if we're impaired, that doesn't make us salt. That makes us bland. It doesn't make us light. It makes us dim. And Paul writes, don't be foolish. and Understand what the Lord's will is. He says, be filled with the Spirit. And it's interesting, he goes on, he uses that word debauchery, which... which Translate really means the loss of self-control. Well, one of the nine fruit of the Spirit is what? Self-control. And we, as Christians, are to possess and pursue self-control. I'll tell you why I've never been drunk. I'll tell you why I've never been high. And I've had every opportunity for both. I'm scared to death to lose self-control. I've grown up in a Christian home. I've been told of the evils of drugs and alcohol. But for me and my choice, the issue has always been self-control. Because I'm afraid of what's, what could be deep down in there, that if I lose control, and what would come out? That's my fear. And then when, as I began to become serious with God, and I began to look at the, the fruit of the Spirit, so if I'm asking the Holy Spirit to come into my life, and his fruit is love, joy, peace, I love all that, But he also talks about this thing about self-control. And I'll be honest, I still struggle with self-control. It's called hockey. Where I take my salvation and leave it hanging in the dressing room when I go outside and play. I have to justify that. No, seriously, I I have to. It's a struggle for me. I struggle with self-control when it comes for, for, for eating. There are areas in my life I struggle with, we all do, but yet we are to ask the Spirit to be in control. And there's all these things. And uh, Peter writes, he says, Therefore, with minds that are alert, fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, don't conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he has called you to be holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it's written, be holy because I am holy. 
Again, another question. Does smoking up line up with the life that is lived in the holiness of God? Is this what God's calling us to do? Is cannabis compatible with the life of holiness? That's a question that you have to answer. Peter encourages his believers, to his readers, to be sober-minded, to be alert. He goes on in 1 Peter 5, he says, Be alert and sober-minded. Again, right? The enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking somebody to, to devour, resist him, stand firm in the faith. There's an action, there's an alertness. So where does all this lead us? You know, the question when we talk about smoking weed, for me, is not so much about the what question. I'm really interested in the why. It's really the why. Why do, why do we do what we do? And so if I'm simply trying to numb myself and escape from life for a while, that's very different than my friend who's legitimately escaping from a neurologically damaging stress level. So you've got, you tracking with me on that? It's one thing for us to get high recreationally. It's another thing for us to use medicinally. And I think we need to, to listen carefully with Bible-transformed ears to hear the plights of our fellow men and women. You know, we can take a liter of wine into a lonely woman's gut on a gloomy day. You can give her and say, here, enjoy your bottle of wine. It's very different to take that same bottle of wine and sip it and, and have her sip it into her tummy at a wedding celebration with her friends and family. The what are you doing question actually pulls us backwards. It pulls us actually more to a, we don't really answer questions, we just dictate stuff, and it's more of a lifeless law. But the why questions, why are you doing this, that actually springs us forward uh, towards a conversation, but also springs us forward in what it means for us to be living in freedom with Jesus Christ. We sang songs of him being our deliverer. The freedom breaker. What is it about? You've heard it said, thou shalt not be blazing ganja. But I say to you that everyone who seeks pleasure outside the gospel loses his life. I'm pretty sure we found that in scripture, right? No. No, Jesus says this. He said to them all, whoever wants to be my, my disciple must deny themselves and take up their crosses daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever wants... Whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for somebody to gain the whole world and lose or yet forfeit their very self? Very interesting aspect, especially in a world that's all about me. And that as believers, and we teach here that we're, we're here to serve, we're here for other people, we're here to give, we're here for Jesus. And we have this life that's full and abundant. And we have a message that we want to share. And the question then for me is, is something like this helpful for my neighbor? Because it's not about a, a, a deadly self-obsession. It actually moves me towards a spirit of goodness and sacrificial love. That's what my relationship with Christ is all about. Our faith is actually about denying personal pleasures for the sake of others' well-being. We have to love one another, says Jesus. Just as I have loved you, you must love other people in the same way. And... Uh, we all know that Jesus didn't run around loving other people by protesting and crying about rights and violations or demanding that his life be more comfortable. Instead, he denied his right to life because loving humanity mattered so much more. Jesus didn't say, I am the way, the truth, and the perfect adherent to a provincial and federal laws. No, he said, the thief comes to kill and destroy. I have come that they would have life and have it to the full. And so we have to make a decision. Sure, it's legal, but do you live your life as a disciple of Jesus or as a disciple of our secular society? The tension of living as a follower of Jesus in a way that, that moves against the grain of the dominant culture kept, you know, it keeps coming up in our conversations as believers. And as Christians, we need to be active witnesses, helping people to recognize when they really need help you know, why they do what they do. We need to point people to the gospel. We need to point them to Jesus and freedom and to a community of believers who doesn't want to ostracize them but says, come on in. We want to support you. We want to help you. Allow me to close with this final conversation. And if you're here this morning and you're trying to figure out this whole God and Jesus thing out, and maybe you do medicate to soften the pain that you've experienced in life, 
You know, when we get high, the euphoria we feel is like we've escaped from it all, all that was wrong in the world. I, and that's what I hear from people. I get high to escape. I, just, I don't have to worry about anything. But it's a deceptive relief. It numbs the pain, it's sorrow. Some of that is, numbs our sin, but that's all it can do. Because each time we use, the numbness will wear off in a few short hours and the pain returns. And so getting high promises, you know, it can, it, it can remove those effects of our sorrow and our sin, but it actually lies because no matter how many times we get high, the pain keeps resurfacing. So the question is why? And I have some great news that maybe you need to hear that in Romans 8, 1, it says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. Christ forgives all of our sins and and, and, and the sin I'll ever commit by his finished work on the cross. The battle's already been won. We sang that today. I know of no greater joy, no greater satisfaction than knowing that my sins are forgiven before God or I've had God again, you know, despite of what I've done. One person said, the religion of Christ is a religion of joy. Jesus came to take away our sins, to roll off our curse, to unbind our chains, to open our prison house, to cancel our debt. Is this not joy? And the joy of being forgiven has enabled me to forgive those who have sinned against me. But Jesus did far more than forgive me. He completely transformed my life and many other people in this room too. And not only have I experienced the joy of being forgiven and the joy of freedom in Christ, I'm experiencing ever-increasing joy that isn't going to end. That's the walk of the Christian. But Jesus really does offer true, substantial, lasting pleasure leading to an overflowing joy. And it doesn't always feel this way because it's not about feeling, but God has promised us in his word that life, the life uh, in Christ is a path of unending pleasures and joy. It's there. It's fulfillment. It's freedom. And he is the light who shines gloriously uh, on whose living in darkness, and he offers us forgiveness and freedom and joy by his grace. And if you're wanting to choose real joy in Christ, then allow me to pray for you today. It's a different Sunday. I recognize that. Next week, we're talking about youth. Next week, you're going to want to be here. We're unrolling a phenomenal program. You're going to want to hear what, what the future of the youth that we have. But I'm done. I've left a whole lot for conversation amongst you. So why don't you stand with me? Allow me to pray for you today. And then I'll dismiss you. God, I just pray that you'd help get at the voices that tour in our head that tell us that we're worthless and tell us the, the things that we're, that we're not. Help us to get at those tapes that play in our head that tell us that we won't be anything and that we're worthless and useless. God, we want to be healed. I think that that is a cry of everybody. We want to be people who are profoundly at peace with who you made us to be. And yet there are many ways that we essentially dismember ourselves. We run from things that we've done. We have a long list of what we're not. We're embarrassed about where we're from, what we haven't done, what we should have done. And we have struggles inside that, for many of us, are just too humiliating to share. And so sometimes we medicate and we escape. And so, God, we need you. Forgive us, Lord, and take us in. And my prayer is that you would surround us with your love. And we thank you, Jesus, that we're forgiven and that we are power washed and that we are cleansed. That we want this kind of life so that we can repent, confess of all the warped ideas that are in our hearts and our minds. And so we pour them out to you. And we want to be the kind of people who, who love you, who are wholehearted there to serve you, but to love others as well. You have plans and purposes for us. May we be sensitive to your spirit at all times and all leadings in there. So awesome and, awesome and gracious God, May your blessings be upon this community. Will you guide us to become what is in our power to become in your service? Send us out from this place to live lives of hope, to be nurturers of the vision of wholeness, to be your messengers, to serve as healers in this wounded world. And may the memories we gather here give us hope for a future. 
May the love that we share bring strength and joy not only to our hearts, but to the hearts of those around us. And may the peace of this community be with us until we meet again. So God, with this topic, there are many questions that need answers by each and every one of us individually. Grant us wisdom. Grant us courage. And grant us your peace. Amen. That's two Sundays in a row we got hand claps, man. That's, it's happening. In the ancient time, the one who blessed extended his hands for a blessing. Those receiving a blessing did likewise. If you want a blessing, here it is. Go into this world now in peaceful sanctuary. Have courage this week and hold on to what is good and return no evil for evil. Encourage and support the weak. Help the suffering. Honor everyone, even the potheads. Yeah? Love and serve the Lord and rejoice in the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll see you next week. Amen.